Basically, we came to visit our daughter, who is in Chicago. She is studying at Wheaton College. She finished her master's in India in uh, um, um, counseling psychology, and she wanted to upgrade, so she wrote to Wheaton College. She got admission there last, uh, last year. In August, she joined Wheaton College for a, for a program called MFT, Marriage and Family Therapy. Um, we came to visit her, but also came to visit uh, a few friends. I, of course, wanted to come to Mississippi and visit Pastor Stephen and the friends here. Uh, my daughter only applied to one college, that is Wheaton College, and she said, if, I'm getting, if I get admission at Wheaton, I'll go. And she got admission with some good scholarship. And I was telling some of these friends, when she was, when she was in the school back in India, um, in Pune, which is a city close to Bombay, I taught in a seminary for 27 years there. And um, a missionary couple came from uh, Chicago to our college. And as they were walking in the campus, they met our daughter, who was not even a high school student then. And they liked her. Uh, her name is, my daughter's name is Juliet. <clears throat> and, the, and the wife said to my daughter, Juliet, if you ever come to U.S., go to Wheaton College and study there. And if you come to Wheaton, we have a house very close to Wheaton. We will give you that house for you to stay. So this was years before. And then my daughter, after completing her studies in Bangalore, she applied to Wheaton, and she was able to get the email address of uh, uh, Sister Julie and uh, her husband, uh, uh, Steve Olson. She wrote a mail and said, um, Andy, I remember you telling me if I come to Wheaton, I can stay at your home. Is your house available? They are, by the way, missionaries in Czech Republic. They are not in the U.S. And they said, yes, Juliet, our house is still available. You don't have to pay any rent. You can stay there. Just take care of the house. So a huge house is given to my daughter, <laughs> free of cost, at Wheaton. And it is 0.7 miles from Wheaton. So it's about six to seven minutes walk. And then my daughter said, well, I have a friend also with me in Bangalore. She's a Brahmin, high caste convert to Christianity recently. Can she stay with me also? They said, perfectly fine, bring her also. So both of them are staying there in that house. When I came to Chicago, we stayed in that one room was given to us, wonderful house. And so God's provision. Um, now, when I think of all these things, I can't stop crying before the Lord. Because I left my home at the age of 16. Let me also tell you some background of my uh, coming to ministry. My late father, my father died on the 4th of November 2013 at the age of 84. When he was an young man, he went to a Bible school to become a pastor, to become a minister. He studied for two years and then went back home. However, my father could not, could not continue as a pastor, continue in the ministry, because uh, he had his family to take care. Um, he, he did not have a church to pastor. He had to start a church altogether. So he said, it is too much for me. So he went back to 
uh, his old uh, job, that is a farmer, he became a farmer. That, that backsliding of my father has affected our home very heavily. When my, we are six at home, six children, I'm the third one. I have three younger sisters, one elder sister and one elder brother. We are six at home. When my youngest sister was born, she's now 50, my mother was uh, in the house with a little baby. She, they were, my sister was only 28 days old, not even a month. And my mother was feeding her in, in the room. And those days the houses were so small. Not even tiles, it was touched with uh, gray, um, dry grass, grass, grass roof, you know. My father was in the kitchen preparing something for my mother, and suddenly my mother shouted, a snake has fallen on me, come, come. So my father rushed to the room, and those days it was not unusual for snakes to come on your roof, because, you know, houses are not all covered, they come. So my father rushed to the room, and my mother is standing there, shouting, there is a snake in this room. And so my father looked at uh, the whole place, and saw a long dry grass, which is fallen from the top. It was not a snake, it was a dry grass, one of the... So my father picked it up and said, listen, no snake here, you may have been, you know, um, yeah, this is it. My mother said, no. I know there is a snake, look for it, kill it. My father looked around, could not find. Unfortunately, out of the shock, my mother became a mental patient. My mother went out of the mind. She would not feed the child. She would throw her from the bed. She became so violent. And this went for a week. We were staying, um, we were staying in a very remote place. The neighbors came, my, our pastor came, they prayed for my mother, nothing happened. And I remember as a child, at the end of all that, they tied my mother's hands and legs, and a jeep came, put her into the jeep. Cars were not there those days. Only wealthy people had one vehicle. In the whole village, probably one vehicle would be there. So they put her into that jeep, Took her, took her to the mental hospital, which is about two, three hours from our home. She was in the mental hospital for a few days, came back home, and I remember my mother telling us, look at these, these, these patches. They would put a electric um, wire here, and they would uh, do electric shock to her. So you could see all the black spots on this both side. And we would sit there and cry with my mother. Next year, when that same time came, my mother became mental patient. Seven years it continued, every year. Pastors came home, prayed for my mother. Several things we did. We had fasting prayer in our home because there were no medicines. Ultimately, I went to the school I had to walk about seven kilometers, about four miles to the school one way in the morning, without a shoe, 
or a slipper, barefoot. I would leave my home by about 8 o'clock in the morning, reach the school by 10, two hours of walking one way. And 4 o'clock I leave my school, reach my home by 6 o'clock in the evening. So two hours of walk, four hours up and down. And so there was no time for me to study. In fact, my job was, we had some few bubbles and cows, cattle. Early morning, about 6 o'clock, I would get up, go to the mountains, cut grass, and bring home for these cattle before I go to the school in the morning. In the evening, same job. Come home, have something to eat, go to the mountains, cut the grass, bring home. This was my duty at home as a boy. So no time to study. So on the day of the high school result, it was on a Saturday. Um, I said to my father, Dad, uh, I want to go to the school and see uh, the result if I passed. My father said, I can tell you now you failed. <laughs> you don't have to go to the school. I can tell you your result. You will not pass. And plus, he said, tomorrow is Sunday. Sunday, we don't have to go to the mountain. Sunday morning, you have to go to the center school in the morning. So Sunday's duty, you have to do on Saturday. So Saturday, double duty. Double time, two times I have to go to the mountains. And my father said, if you go for the school, to the school today, how are you going to cut the grass for the you know, cows and all that? I said, I will do all that, allow me to go to the school. So I got permission, I went to the school. Our headmaster, the, the main teacher, uh, you call principal, uh, we call it in our place headmaster. He came with the result. He was going to pin it to the, in the notice board. I think we had about 48 students in the class. And my rank was 42nd, way down. And I knew I'm not going to pass. There was another V.V. Thomas who is a Catholic. He was a good student. His rank was fifth, and I knew he would pass. And invariably, every year, out of the 45, 50 students, uh, about 10 or 15 students will pass. Others will fail. They will join their parents for farming. That is the end of their life. They will do all the. So I knew my name would not be there. Anyway, I was standing there looking at the notice board. When I looked at the notice board, in the passing list, my name also was there. <laughs> Both of V.V. Thomas's, and I still remember jumping up and down. I was shouting and screaming. I passed my high school. I passed my high school. I was shouting. And then, after a week, I went to collect my, my mark, mark sheet. And those days, the total mark was 600. Six, if you pass, you, if you get all the 100 for six subjects, you will get 600. And the passing mark was 210. If you get 210 out of 600, you, you barely pass. I got my mark sheet. My total mark was 211. <laughs> One extra mark. If it was 209, you would not see this V.V. Thomas standing here today. I would have been a cowboy in my village. <laughs> but the Lord had a plan for my life. Amen. And then my father said, I came home very happy. The whole village was happy that I passed. My father said, son, 
now that you passed your high school i don't want you to go to a college get a degree get a job and support me i have only one assignment for you take this bible that i failed to carry go out of the home that is the only medicine for your mother there is no other medicine do what i failed to do so on the 3rd of august 1979 my father gave me this bible and this third this coming third you know um, august this year 2023 it will be 44 years since i left home with this bible and if you ask me bibi what is that make you more joyful than anything else what makes me more joyful and happy is that the lord gave me the privilege to carry this around for the last 44 years nothing more nothing less i started the ministry with an organization called operation mobilization whose founder was from the us george werver if you go to the google and type his name his name is george werver who passed away just a week before he is founded an organization in the us called operation mobilization 1962 62 or 63 operation mobilization you should listen about that person george werver i joined with that organization on the 3rd of august 1979 i could not speak one sentence in english one sentence I, i was never taught in english my local language so on the very first day when i joined it was all in english the conference was in english there was a recruitment conference so i was there i was sharing this last sunday in brookside church also someone walked towards me on that very first day and asked me this person was from england he was driving our truck those days people will come from europe other places to india work with us you know so we had some americans some europeans some indians working together in the team so he was also there so this person like one of you walked towards me on the very first day and asked me how are you and that is the first time i am list- i am i am i heard a question in english <laughs> how are you i looked up to him he was a very tall man you know more than six foot very tall and i was a small boy of 16 what is he asking me how are you what is it i did not answer him so he was just patting me here and said brother how are you i'm looking to him i don't know what to say you only need to say fine and you can get out <laughs> but that fine is not coming i don't know the word fine so third time he asked me how are you brother i i said to myself this man is not leaving me i have to tell him some answer so in my mind i went back to my village 
my home, home, home village. As a boy, I remember my father would hold my hand and take me to the store, to the church, to the market. We would walk together. And, uh, you know, people of his age would be passing one, you know, we, always we walk. So they would ask my father, how are you in, in our language? Okay. And in my village, the tradition is, when somebody asks you, how are you? What they want to know is, if there is something going on in your home. If there is something to pray for. If there is some special news. And invariably, my father will, will tell that person, well, there is nothing special. So, uh, uh, he doesn't say fine and all. But he say, well, uh, nothing. So, third time when his name was Harold. Harold asked me, third time, fourth time, you know, kept asking. I told him, nothing. <laughs> and he got a shock of his life. How are you? Nothing. <laughs> he was looking at me. And then my pastor's son, who was already with that organization for six months, he learned some English. He ran to me. And he said, in my ears, he said, whispered in my ears, my name at home is Sunny. He said, Sunny, you tell him, fine, and run away. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, after saying nothing and all, I told Harold, his name is Harold, fine, and run away. And these friends who were standing around started mocking me. Vivi Thomas, how are you? Nothing. <laughs> and I became a mockery among them. I went to my room and said, Lord, teach me some little bit of English. I just want to learn to communicate. And today, I stand here with the grace of God. I know my English may not be perfect, but I can speak to you. Amen. That is all because of this word. Amen. I always tell people, take this in your hand. Go after God. He will not put you down. In the last six years, six PhD students have passed through me. I have been their supervisor in Bangalore. Six PhD students from a university. And six more are working with me now. I am guiding six PhD students in history, church history. All glory and honor to God. Amen. Friends, I want to challenge you. When you take this, when you follow Jesus, he will never put you down. He has a purpose. Therefore, till the very last breath of my life, I want to carry this. Nothing else. Every morning when I get up, whether it is in uh, uh, Pastor Stephen's house or any house, I do this. I kneel before God. At least for an hour, I kneel before God. And as I kneel, it starts flowing. Because 43 years of my life, the Lord led me. Two years I worked with that organization called Operation Mobilization, 19, till 1981. 81, the Lord said to me, well, that is enough. Get out of that organization, go to a Bible college. I went to a Bible college that was at Southern Asia Bible College in Bangalore. I had no sponsor. 
I wrote to my father and said, Dad, I'm going to this college, and the fees is 200 rupees a month. 200 rupees. He said, son, don't go there. Come to our state, go to a, a local language medium school where you don't have to pay. It will be free, free for you. Free. It will be, tuition will not be there. I said, Dad, I have set my mind on Southern Asia Bible College, which is an Assembly of God College. He said, if you want to go, you go, but I will not be able to give you your fees because I don't have the money. He was a farmer. He had very hard life. I went there. 1981 June. June, July, August, three months. I could not pay the fees. So the finance office called me in August and said, Vivi Thomas, our record shows that you have not paid the fees for three months. Either you pay the fees or leave the campus. They gave me the ultimatum. They gave me the last word. I remember after the study hours in the evening, we had to go to the library from 8 o'clock to 10.30 in the evening for, you know, to study in the library. All the students will go back to their rooms. I will straight go to the chapel, go to the pulpit, kneel there and say, Lord, you need to open a way for me. I don't want to leave this campus. And in that same month, August, on a Saturday, there was an operation mobilization office in Bangalore, about six kilometers, six kilometers, four miles away from our college. I went there to see my friends. I was working with them. I wanted to see them on a Saturday. I went there. And someone said, Thomas, there is a letter for you which has come from Bombay. Bombay and Bangalore is far. I said, letter for me? Yes, there is a letter for you. I said, who, who wrote to me? The letter was from the uh, All India Director of the organization. He knew that I left that organization. I am in the college. Someone told him that I am struggling to pay my fees. He wrote a letter to a friend at, in Switzerland. Switzerland um, in Europe. He wrote a letter. He was, his friend was working there. And he was a Brahmin convert, a high caste convert to Christianity. So this director wrote to him and said, we have a brother in SIBC, Southern Asia Bible College, struggling to pay his fees. Can you pay his fees for uh, uh, his, his studies? And the letter says, Vivi, your fees will be paid for four years by my friend. <laughs> my fees was paid by someone that I never met. Take this, he will provide for you. Amen. Take this, he will not put you down. I have stories. I know my time is limited, so I, that is the way the Lord taught me. Someone came forward always to help me. Here is Pastor Stephen. How will I know him? He came to Asbury for a week. I went there for a week, for a for few days. The Lord brings people on your way. Now, you are sitting here. Even though I don't know you personally, but you have become my friends in the Lord. How would I meet you if it was not for Pastor Stephen? How would I meet Pastor Stephen if it was not for God? God brings in people on your way. 
2010, the Lord gave me the burden to start a small Bible school in my state for young people like me who cannot afford to go to the school. So it is called, that brochure is there, Focus India Theological College. That is a bit old. I could not print a new one. This was uh, the one that we distributed for a graduation sometime before. Some copies were left, so I brought them. Basically for young people from North India. And we bring them to North India is up there. And we bring them to Kerala, my state, southernmost state, like your Florida, the southernmost state. And we train them. In the morning from 9 to 1, we give them Bible teaching. And from 2 to 5, we, we put them into the local university for a BA degree, BA in sociology. So they have two degrees, a BTH, Bachelor of Theology, and a BA, Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. And we do not charge them any fees. It is all done free of cost. I talk to friends, I raise funds, and it is a very small place, just half acre of land, one building. It was only had one level, Pastor Stephen and Brother Dawn has helped us to put up the second level for that. So we have a hostel now, a library there. And just recently, someone called me and said, a pastor from North India, I am bringing six students. Can you take them? So six people are now this year coming, and more are to come. More are coming. So we hope to get about 20 students this year. My, my aim is to have 60 students, 20, 20, 20, each class. Probably after my time, they might raise it um, or develop the college. I don't have a too large vision, buying acres of land. This I don't have that vision. That is not my DNA. My DNA is to do what the Lord has asked me to do, probably to put up one more story on that because we need space. And also a small piece of land right in front of, actually the, the land is like this. When we bought it, it was 52 cents. When we bought it, someone took away 10 cents of land from the corner of that one plot. And so this is something that we are planning to acquire for the college. Uh, so it will be 52, we will get the whole plot in our hand. So, but these are not the major things that I have in mind. These are needs. The major needs are um, that I want to train these students help them to go out, become pastors, evangelists. And in India today, the situation is not, not all that good. I don't want to go to the details because I don't want to stand here and speak anything against my country or anything of that kind because uh, this is being recorded. But when I say pray for India, it has got everything. You understand You know what I, I, I mean. It's, it's not easy. Religious freedom is uh, limited. And so, pray for our graduates. Okay, I have a few minutes now. This is basically, uh, of course, my wife is there. Our son is 29. He is also slowly into the ministry now. He's working with a college in Bangalore, a Bible college. Um, his name is Justin. My wife, Minnie, she's right now in Florida with her mother. She's coming here on um, Saturday to see Pastor Stephen's family, and we will be in a church on Sunday. Then Sunday night I go to Asbury for three days. First, second and third of May. I'm speaking in their chapel, one chapel. And I'm conducting a missiology seminar for the students and the faculty um, in one section. 
so pray for me as i travel um pray that i will continue to be faithful to the lord you see i always say you can start big bible colleges you can start big ministry at the end of the day you don't want to lose your salvation i want to be there when he calls me you know that is the ultimate aim of my life because i see great ministries are falling apart they go up so high and then one day you can hear they are falling apart so the ultimate aim of my life is to remain faithful to him till the last day of my life having said that i have a scripture passage that can i take a few more minutes uh, i have a, a scripture passage that i want to share with you that is from matthew chapter 14 where jesus uh, we, for the lack of time we will not read that passage in matthew chapter 14 you read about jesus reading i mean feeding the 5000 uh, just one verse then um, i will uh, uh, matthew chapter 14 verse 15 as evening approached the disciples came to him and said This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to their villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. taking the five loaves and two fish looking up to heaven he gave thanks and broke the loaves then he gave to them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over Amen. i have given a title for this message that is scanty resources very scanty scary challenges the challenges are very scaring but the sufficiency of god so scanty resources scary challenges but the sufficiency of god it says in that verse when the evening approached the disciples came to him as i was meditating on that passage i was thinking what comes in the evening all of us know when the evening comes darkness comes as we get into the evening of this day by 7 8 the darkness come look at the world today spiritually economically socially politically you see a darkness approaching darkness approaching and what are the disciples saying lord evening is coming darkness is coming therefore let us send this crowds away and i like the reply of jesus they need not to leave you give them something to eat disciples don't send these people away it is your responsibility 
and the disciples are saying lord what are you telling us we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish our resources are limited how are you expecting us to feed these 5000 people with this limited resources scanty resources the challenges are very scaring frightening 5000 people i like what jesus said bring what you have got to me the little as it may look he did not say oh only five only two oh i can't do anything with that if it was 100 i would have done something no he doesn't say that bring bring what you have got to me it may look very small but bring bring it to me and that is exactly what the lord is asking all of us we with thomas your english may be very poor you may not be able to speak in english bring your inability your limitations to me i will teach you bring it to me <clears throat> the question is are we willing to part with what we have got or do you want to hold on to it bring it to me and then it says there when they brought it to him he does three things with it and that is what i like the most and that is what i want you to do this morning also three things number one he took it he took it he took that in his hands and that is number one thing he does with you this morning as you commit your life to him without looking at your personality your height your weight your background your financial resources nothing he will take you as you are as i am he will take you number one and my question is this is there anything more beautiful than jesus taking you in his hands nothing more beautiful he took me at the age of 16 in his hands give yourself to him he will take you taking the five loaves of bread and two fish second looking up to heaven he blessed it the second thing he does with your life after taking you he will bless you the lord laid his hands on me he blessed me i'm so blessed this morning you are so blessed this morning he blessed it and the third the third thing he does he started breaking it my old identity is gone i receive a new identity my old self is gone jesus comes into me he breaks me he breaks me and i tell you this and this is very important 
unless he breaks you others cannot be fed if you want others to be fed you need to be willing to be broken unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains the same but when it falls into the ground and dies it brings forth fruit you must have heard about graham stains and his two children timothy and the other son two children who were burned to death in orissa in india 1999 23 yeah 23 years before 24 years before graham stains from australia gladys stains his wife they had three dot children two boys and one girl graham stains was in a village in orissa in the northeastern part of india he was there to show the jesus film after showing the film he and his children were in the jeep in the village sleeping in the night and you probably may have heard this story those people who were against the gospel came burned the jeep locked the jeep from outside so he and his children were burned inside the jeep his boys were 9 and 11 <clears throat> what was the crime he committed no crime only taking care of the lepers they started a, started a leprosy hospital taking care of the people but they were burned to death today you go to orissa there are so many churches there unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies let us ask the lord to break us this morning lord you break me i'm here i know you may not be able to come to india you may not be able to go from your place but you can pray you can be the hands there out there in the field of jesus in the field you can do something someone said every difficulty has an opportunity and every opportunity has a difficulty every opportunity has a difficulty every difficulty has a opportunity difficult as it looked impossible at as it looked jesus said bring it to me jesus saw an opportunity disciples saw difficulty <laughs> when disciples saw this as a difficulty jesus saw this as an opportunity your difficulty can become your opportunity hallelujah and you know the story there 5000 people were fed 12 baskets remaining sufficiency of god so my title my message is scanty resources very little very scary challenges india is now having 1400 million people 1.4 billion people and last week it has overtaken china so the most populated country in the world today is not china but india 1400 million people and they 
and, and, and the Christian percentage is just 2.2. According to tradition, St. Thomas, one of the apostles of Christ, reached India in AD 52. So Christianity in India is as old as Christianity itself. Christianity in India is as old as Christianity itself. 2,000 years of tradition, but we are our percentage is 2.2. Pray for faithful workers. We have so many workers, but we need faithful workers to go into the vineyard. Pray for me. Pray for the ministry that we do there. And as I said, I'm not envisioning a huge ministry where lot billions of dollars come. I'm not thinking of that. I just want to be faithful to what God gave us to do. There's a couple of things there to put up that third floor, third level, and to get that small piece of land before it goes to some non-Christians. And they build a house there in front of our school. You know, there are possibilities. So, but uh, they, they are all needs. But the most important need is that ask God to send good students to our school so we can train them and send them forth. Thank you, Ben, for having me, uh, Ron, for having, having me here this morning. I really want to thank you. God bless you. Very kind of you. And, and many of you walk towards me, you know, uh, call me Vivi. Just call me Vivi. As I, you know, that's my name. And hopefully when I come back next time, I don't know when, uh, I hope I can come back and meet all of you. Can someone there, uh, of course I know Ron is coming, but someone, one of you, I want someone to stand up and pray for me. Just anyone who is, I know many of you probably are challenged, but one of you, can you stand up and just offer a word of prayer for me? Uh, anyone. Father, we thank you for a vessel that you've not only created, but that you have redeemed mm. by the shed blood of your son, Jesus. Mm. Lord, you have called him mm. and his family into service for the sake of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. We pray, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit mm. from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head, mm. that he will sense not only your presence, but that he, he will move in the power of your Holy Spirit. Mm. And Lord, that every need that is spoken and unspoken, mm. that you will make provision. You are Jehovah Jireh. You mm. are the great provider. And we give you thanks, Lord. We ask your blessings over our brother, mm. our newfound brother in you, uh, over Brother Vivi. Mm. And Lord, for the, for the uh, ministry, as he puts his hands to the plow, mm. Lord, that his focus will be uh, all forward and that he will see and understand more about the power of your provision where he, he takes and, and, and takes this ministry and he uses it and he, he breaks it. And Lord, that we will join him in praying for those opportunities that Jesus uh, offers. Mm. The open doors, Lord, the opportunities that are yet ahead in his country, in his state, in his region. And we pray, Lord, for the institution that he is, uh, has such a heart for in teaching and in, in strengthening and encouraging those who have a heart to serve you. Continue, Lord, to be with him. Bless his family, their travels. We thank mm. you for your travel mercies. 
And Lord, for all that you want to accomplish in him, with him, and through him, yes. in the strong and powerful and eternal name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. It doesn't matter. Hey, I'm on now. Um, the Lord just asked me to say this, I think, because he had not. He's never asked me to. Um, if, if God has laid on your heart to support Focus India Theological College, um, you, and this is not a pressure thing, but they have about a $4,500 is all that they operate on every month, and usually they don't have that much. Um, and so... This is, again, to educate these young men to go out and be pastors, evangelists, um, and church planters. So if that is something God leads you to do, my email address was written on the introduction thing, and you can get me through Ron. What, we have a ministry here in the United States in Ohio called International Focus Ministries, and they support dozens of other ministries as well. But um, this particular one is through that ministry, so it's a tax-deductible donation. So if you chose to do that, you can do that, and it would go through International Focus. We, every month we send them um, through him, through, through International Focus, rather, we send to India for their support. So if God leads you to do that, I just wanted to give you that opportunity. Thank you. Harley Fiddler, he's turning 88 today, 27th of April, our person that whom he's turning 88 today, and I know him for 35 years, so... Whatever they are doing, they send it to him, and he sent it to India. So uh, his name is Harley Fiddler, and wonderful, but he calls me uh, his son in India. So <laughs> that is the way he addresses me, son in India. And so um, he pray for Harley also. Uh, thank you.